Hi everybody, my name is Karen Ender and welcome back to the Model Tongue Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things mental health, mental illness, body positivity, self-worth, and the importance of finding your voice. Today I speak with Claire, a mom based out of LA who found herself trying to navigate pregnancy with her bipolar disorder through all the chaos that was 2020. She shares what it was like having manic episodes while pregnant, the judgments she experienced, and stereotypes surrounding parents with bipolar disorder. Plus, hear her number one piece of advice for anyone living with mental health disorders. Just a content warning on this episode, it contains conversations surrounding police brutality, protests, gun violence, hospitalizations, and bipolar disorder. Again, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. This podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube, and every button you hit helps us over here at The Model Tongue. We really do appreciate all of your likes, comments, subscribes, and shares. So thank you so much, and please welcome Claire. Hi, Claire. Hi. Hi, Karen. Thank, thank, thank you, you so much. Me. Oh my goodness. I know. I want to say thank you first. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited uh, to hear your story because it is it is important, um, but also it's like it's your truth and something that you experience. But I think um, you know by you sharing your voice and your experiences, it's going to help a lot of people and also shed light on something that not everyone um, thinks about. Which we were just chatting uh, like off camera is something I've also experienced, which is when it comes to family planning, what that means and how mental health can play a role in it. So why don't you just share a little bit about yourself and what we need to know? Sure. Um, Okay. So I was diagnosed when I was 14, which uh, I think is another thing we have in common. (laughs) I think you were diagnosed at 14 too, isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was diagnosed at 14 um, with a hospitalization um, and I went through my, I went through high school kind of struggling, um, after that episode. Um, I went to, I went from being like very, I guess, high functioning to just not having any motivation at all. Um, I ended up dropping out of high school or testing out rather. So I took a test and, and I, um, received my diploma equivalency. Um, And then I went to college. I went to community college, did really well. Um, And then I decided to go off my meds. Like (laughs) And then I had a series. (laughs) And then I had like a series of, I got really into like a lot of new age stuff. I was a vegan. Like I thought that I could not take medication, but I was young at the time. I was still living with my parents and we clashed a lot. So um, my hospitalizations were kind of paired with my runaway attempts. So it was very traumatizing. Um, I put my life back together somewhat, had a few other episodes in my early twenties. Um, and then I, uh, I ended up going to college, um, I transferred to UC Berkeley and then I had another episode (laughs) that was horrible. And I, uh, I, I moved back to LA and then I picked up the pieces again, went back to Berkeley, graduated, and then moved back to LA. So I've had so many episodes and so many hospitalizations that were, um, all traumatizing. Um, all pretty much all of them, I think were involuntary. So if 
people don't know what that is. It's basically when um, you're forced to go to the hospital, like you have no choice. That's where you go. And you're also forced to take medication, which is just, it's horrible. So um, I kind of have like a love-hate relationship with um, with psychiatry kind of as a, as a whole. Um, I take meds, but I, um, I always kind of uh, resent the fact that, you know, we don't have better treatment options. Um, and then I met, I met the love of my life somewhere in there <laughs> around the time that I went to college. Um, and he really helped me stabilize. Then we got married in, um, in February of last year. So 2020, right before oh, wow. you did it. You COVID made it. Hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically right after we got back from our wedding, um, COVID hit. And then I also found out I was pregnant. So, um, that'll happen all around the same time. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's kind of a, a history of, of how I got to where I am now. Um, does that make sense? Is that enough information? I feel like there's, there's a lot to fill in, <laughs> but yeah, I have, in I have a nutshell, it's kind of, yeah. I have some questions for you. Um, in a, in a little bit, but I want to ask what we were just talking about, which is like the conversation that's lacking around uh, family planning with, uh, but like to be parents um, when they have like mental health disorders. Um, you know, I guess you're, you're a new mom and you have mental health issues, uh, bipolar. So for anyone who, who doesn't know that a lot of medications that are take for psychiatric purposes uh, are not safe for the development of the fetus. Um, and they're then, you know, uh, moms are kind of forced, okay, well, I have to uh, switch up my meds, you know, to go off what I'm currently taking and either not do not take any medication or take something that's safer for fetal development. So what, what was your thought process? You know, you, you had mentioned that you were taking medication and then you found out you were pregnant. So you knew that some changes had to happen. Right. So, um, I, there's kind of a, so, okay. Where do I start? Um, I was actually put on birth control pills at a young age because of, um, cramps that I had, I had really bad cramps. And so, um, I somewhere along the way decided to stop taking birth control and I noticed that it helped me. Um, and I found stability in tracking my cycle and kind of like being mindful of that. Um, and also abstaining, you know, from sex, which, you know, it kind of, it kind of put me in that sort of like mode of like, okay, I'm not on birth control. So, you know, gotta be careful. And, um, you know, the thing with, with our medications is that, yeah, it puts us in a weird position. It's like, are we, are we, do we not have kids? Like, do we, do we, you know, and it's unfortunate that, you know, out of all the medications that are out there treating chronic conditions, it just so happens that the medications used to treat uh, psychiatric conditions are harmful you know, for whatever reason, I don't know if that's just a coincidence or what, but, you know, it also, 
you know, it's kind of weird, you know, because it's like historically women with mental illness, like we weren't, we were, you know, prevented from having kids. Like we were actually sterilized. So we have to look at that history and kind of remember that that's kind of where we're coming from, from a historical perspective. Um, but I got pregnant by accident. We weren't planning on having kids. Okay. And I thought, I thought like, you know, I thought that I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just kind of like, maybe we'll adopt. Adoption was kind of my number one, like, okay. But we hadn't. Yeah. I was going to say, so, so, okay. So you're with, you're with your now husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so when you're talking, I'm just trying to, to educate our listeners and, and also give people who are in the same boat as, as us, like some, someone to relate to, but you're talking about family planning, you know, you were, your first thought was, I don't know what that means for me. Maybe we'll adopt. Like that was, that had to be an option, right? Yeah. Adoption was an option. I didn't think of surrogacy, but, um, I did talk to my psychiatrist and I talked to an OBGYN before getting pregnant and, um, the OBGYN didn't really have an opinion, um, kind of reverted me back to the psychiatrist to, to answer my more specific questions. Um, and when I did talk to my psychiatrist, he said, well, a lot of women actually stay on their medications when they're pregnant and have, you know, perfectly fine outcomes. Um, and of course, like I was a little skeptical. I'm like, okay, is he just telling me this? So I won't just like toss my beds out the window and stuff. <laughs> like, you know, like, is he really telling me this from honesty? And, and I looked at the literature and I looked at what is known about some medications and what's unknown. And there's not a lot of information out there. Um, so it's a problem, right? Because, you know, as women, we're given this choice of whether or not we want to have kids. And if we don't have all the information needed to make the right choice, like, what do we do? I think, I think that's something that is taken for granted, because I know for me, you know, we were both uh, diagnosed with bipolar at 14. I, I then lived my life under the assumption that I would never have a family. Just because I, I just did, I did not believe it was an option for me, you yeah. know, um, and I, it's a huge difference. I have, so, I have so many friends who don't have mental health disorders or issues with their mental health, but they have the family that they always dreamed of and always wanted, you know. And then I find myself the same age. I'm like, well, that's like a dream I never had because I just didn't know it was possible. And I think it goes back to like the bigger conversation, you know, which is the lack of awareness and education surrounding mental health to people who have it and who don't have it. Um, but also just the empower, the empowerment that's lacking and the, in the humanity mm-hmm. side, like for people who struggle with mental health, there's so many unknowns. No one can tell you what your life mm-hmm. is going to look like because no one knows. And to an extent, like, I think that's bullshit. Um, because mm-hmm. I, I do mm-hmm. believe that, despite your disorders you can live the life you want it just might look different but no one no one's ready to have that conversation (laughs) yeah well yeah we're meant to be a certain way you know and and one of the things that unfortunately came to mind when you were saying that is that you know we're perceived as like uh flight risks like we're we're violent we're 
unpredictable. Um, so when it comes to like assessing actual risks um, in a medical context, um, it's complicated. Like one of the things that I um, realized was when I was pregnant, you know, doctors were like, it's fine, stay on your meds, actually checking in with me and being like, are you still on them? Are you still taking them? And I'm like, yeah. Um, and even though I did decide to go off one of them, which we'll talk about, um, but I was kind of being checked in that way. Whereas once I had my child, it was like, I don't know if you should breastfeed because, you know, there's you know, there's stuff in that medication that the baby shouldn't get, you know, or like, I don't know, you know, we got to keep an eye on you and we want to schedule more appointments and, you know, um, we got to do a drug test, <laughs> you know, just to be sure you didn't have anything else in your system um, and stuff like that, where it's just like, I mean, I understand that women with mental illness are more likely to harm their children. Like that's a statistic, but, you know, we're not statistics, we're people. And, you know, I would never hurt my child, you know? And so, yeah, we're put in this position where like, we have all these opinions coming at us and stereotypes and misconceptions that are replicated even by the medical system. All I had to say to that is like, do, do you know the, do you know the statistics around women being killed by their par romantic partners who are men? <laughs> one does yeah. anything about it but yet they're trying to police you because you have mental because you have bipolar yeah well that's another element I think yeah. that that we need to realize is bipolar women bipolar women are more likely to seek treatment or to be treated so with medication and I think a big part of that is like the fear of oh you don't want to get manic and like end up out there on the street because you might get hurt by you know, I don't want to go into that right now and <laughs> trigger warning, but you can imagine mm -hmm. um, we're, we're vulnerable. We're considered a vulnerable population when we're compared to men that have bipolar disorders. So I don't know if there's, if that's why we seek treatment or why we've been, um, I guess, more encouraged to be treated to prevent that those things from happening. Um, but, but it's true. Yeah. You know, there's, there's all of these stigmas all fears. these stigmas and yeah fears that are projected on us and and kind of like uh medicalized and you know? like i i i have those thoughts i don't maybe i don't know if you have them but when i think about starting a family in the back of my head there's that insecurity that everyone's gonna think that i'm a bad mom because i'm bipolar yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know yeah, and it, it goes hand in hand with the idea that bipolar disorder is like, you know, genetic. Well, it's maybe genetic. We haven't discovered the gene that supposedly causes it. But there's this idea that like your bipolarness is going to like creep into your child and infect them with like this like illness. <laughs> you know, it's complete BS. It's complete BS. I know. I said so, that to my partner too. Like when we're thinking about family planning, I was like, well, are you sure, you know, that you just like, there's so many options for, for family planning. Right. So like, like yourself, we had talked about adoption as, and, um, or even like using someone else's egg, like not my own. And mm -hmm. I hit, I'm like, well, cause I'm like, 
you know, my genetic makeup. Like, what if we have a baby and it's probably higher chance it's going to have mental health issues if it's my egg. And he's like, we could also have mental health issues if it's someone else's egg. <laughs> like, Yeah. But also so. the issue of like, well, you know, even if you're bipolar, like your life has value. I, I mean, I don't think we should be concerned about eliminating bipolar disorder from like the gene pool you know what mm -hmm. I mean yeah um and you know that's a very broad <laughs> sort of like topic to even get into but yeah, yeah. it comes down to like you know there's a fine line between family planning and like eugenics you know and like I said I don't want to get too trigger warning-ish but that's kind of like, it's something that's crossed my mind. You know, when we are discriminated against and told that maybe we shouldn't have children because of our condition, that's eugenics. <laughs> like that's literally the definition of eugenics. So, you know, I'm very passionate about this topic. You know, I, I do think that um, it's important that we talk about this. Um, because all of those stereotypes and all of that um, violence, all of the microaggressions, like they're happening to people who who have these um, conditions, not just bipolar disorder, but others as well. So you find out you're pregnant and your doctor's checking on you every <laughs> all the time, making sure you're taking your meds. Um, but so how was your pregnancy uh, being some being, you know, a pregnant mom with bipolar and then switching up your meds and. It was tough. Yeah, it was really tough. Um, I was told to just stay on all my meds, even lithium, which is like the one that's known to cause a uh, possibly fatal heart defect in the first trimester. So if I'm honest, my pregnancy was really just an exercise in feeling tons of fear and being completely terrified that I was going to hurt my child somehow with the medication I was taking um, and having to clear my mind of that and, and have faith, you know, and, 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 you know, let go of, of those very negative and intrusive thoughts. So um, I was terrified <laughs> the whole way through. I mean, I, I definitely worked through it and I, I upped my therapy appointments to once per week. Mm -hmm. I was seeing my therapist every other week. And so I, I bumped it up. I said, I, I've got to see you once a week. Um, <clears throat> but I think the episode that I had when I was pregnant was a culmination of of a lot of things. Um, I, I didn't know COVID was going to hit, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that happened. Yeah. Um, that uh, on top of it, let's be honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, um, and I, I, a lot happened. A lot happened. I stopped working, um, because my workplace closed um, I applied for unemployment and my un unemployment wasn't coming through. I, for whatever reason, it was just not processing and I wasn't getting any money. Um, so we had to jump through a bunch of hoops to get that money. Um, so COVID was a huge trigger. I mean, huge. Um, 
I couldn't work out because the gyms were closed. Mm. So like that was, you know, working out is like huge for me. And I was looking forward to having like my cool fit pregnancy, (laughs) 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 like being that badass pregnant woman in the gym, you know? Yeah. And, and I I was like, you know, warning that, sorry, I'm losing my voice. Give me a second. Um, and then, um, and then the George Floyd protest started and I was so triggered, like so triggered by that. And I was trying not to, um, consume a lot of social media, but it was hard not to. Um, and then something else really like random happened. Like this is around the same time that like, um, Target was getting, um, Target, the actual store was getting targeted by rioters. Um, and we were shopping for stuff and we were in the process of moving. So we were shopping and, um, and I looked around and I noticed that everyone was ducking down in the store. Oh my goodness. And I looked, (laughs) yeah, I looked over to my husband who was like in line and I was looking, I was like in another section in like the baby section. And I looked over and I heard some lady say, there's a shooter. And I was like, what? And everyone was ducking down. I didn't see anybody. I didn't even look. I was like, we are leaving now. And so I, I took Nick. I didn't say that. I just said, come on, let's go. And I sprinted out the back door. And I guess I think it was my pregnancy instincts because like everyone else is ducking down. Like if I, maybe if I wasn't pregnant, I'd be ducking down too. But I was like, there is no way we're staying in this building. Like we're leaving now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that happened and that was like really triggering. And then that same night I got a call from a representative with EDD and she's like, you're getting your money now. <laughs> and I was like, what? Do you <laughs> find that like having bipolar that, that like, like wild ups and downs like that in your life can affect you? Yeah. Cause I'm the same way. Like if I have good news followed by like crappy news or vice versa mm-hmm. too, too fast, I don't know how to manage my emotions. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally. Okay. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, anything that's in like a polarity like that or like, you know, um, contrast, like mm-hmm. it's triggering, right? Because in romantic, like that's kind of how we tend to like think, you know, kind of like in those, well, at least for me, I'm, that's how I think when I'm, it's like this good versus evil type thing. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that happened. And then it was just nuts. Like I, I noticed I, I wasn't sleeping as much. We called the psychiatrist right away and we're like, this is happening. What do we do? So we made some changes. It wasn't helping. Um, protests were like everywhere, all over LA. And like, to the point where like, we couldn't even go to the pharmacy because all the local pharmacies had been like totally looted. Like they were all um, boarded up and closed. Right. So we had to drive to like neighboring city to even get my medications. And like, basically um, it felt like, it felt like the world was ending. It just felt like, and people were um, putting on fireworks. There were helicopters, there were military helicopters, there were sirens, like at 24 seven, you know? So it's like, even if I wanted to sleep, I'd still be bombarded with all of these 
um, you know, physical triggers. Um, and I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep. Like I hardly ever slept for two weeks. I think the most sleep I got in one night was like three hours. Which by the way, like for people who experience bipolar disorder, sleep is the most important thing. And if that goes, then everything goes. Everything goes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really important to, to recognize that sleep, um, any of these, like what I would consider to be like physical, um, factors when it comes to like the illness itself, like we tend to think of like mental things, you know, but it's not like I decided, like, I think I just won't sleep for five days. That sounds great. Like I didn't make the conscious decision to do that. Mm -hmm. I just physically couldn't sleep. Um, physically when I ate food, it made my stomach hurt and I got heartburn. I didn't want to eat anything. Um, those are physical symptoms. Like it's important that we connect to those symptoms and recognize them as, as, um, results of, you know, not only the disorder, but also like outside factors. Um, oftentimes like bipolar disorder is just considered to be something that like it's completely controlled by your brain um but there's so many other factors that like influence it right um so yeah it was nuts and then eventually I um oh and then (laughs) right when I was starting to sleep a little bit better and the medication was starting to actually make me drowsy which was good because I was dealing with like akathisia and stuff at first when at first the doctor tried to make changes, my body was just like, for whatever reason, I just had um, tons of restlessness. It made it even worse. Um, and I was shaking and like, I couldn't sit still. If anyone doesn't know what akathisia is, it's just, it's horrible. It just, you can't sit still. <laughs> and it feels like you're, you're, it feels like adrenaline is just like rushing through your body. Um, and it almost feels like your skin's crawling. Um, uh, there's something crawling under your skin and you have to move. Um, it's the weirdest feeling, but it's something that happens when um, antipsychotics are taken too fast or too slow or whatever. So <clears throat> I was experiencing that. And then it was starting to get better. I was actually starting to get drowsy from the medication. And then I saw some spotting and I was terrified. I thought I was miscarrying and I went to the labor and delivery and I heard the heartbeat and everything was fine. They said it was just some cervical um, bleeding, which is normal. Um, But I was terrified. Like I was so scared and I, um, I was so glad that, that everything was okay. Um, but to make things even more worse, like I, I told the nurses that I was bipolar and I told them I was having trouble sleeping and, you know, so they knew what was going on and I was drowsy at the time. Cause like I said, the, medic- the medications were finally kicking in at that point. So I'm like falling asleep and they're trying to do like an exam and the nurse comes in, she's like, you know, 
this is Claire. She's uh, she's having a bipolar manic episode. <laughs> and like five other people, well, not five. Okay, that's an exaggeration. Three other people came in <laughs> and they're like surrounding me as she's doing the exam, you know, because she had to do an exam. And I was just like, oh, I'm here because I'm concerned about my baby. I'm not here because I'm, I'm making this up in my head, you know, like I did see spotting on my underwear and that's why I'm here. Um, so it was kind of one of those weird experiences where I was like, thank you for acknowledging that, but I'm fine. Really? I'm here for this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I have a reaction, you know, when I see a, a group of people coming in and, and because I'm perceived as potentially violent, you know, or whatever. Um, and Truth be told, I mean, when you when you are when you do have someone's foot, you know, near their face, I mean, I can see how that would be like putting them in danger if I were violent. Like I would kick her in the face if I wanted to, but why would I do that? You know, so it was just kind of like weird. And then I got home and then I was fine. I started sleeping again and then I um from then on I I I was much happier in my third trimester because I knew I was past that point where if I did have a preterm delivery, I, my baby could still make it and would highly likely to be, would be highly um, statistically more likely to survive. So that made me so much happier because in the beginning of pregnancy, like miscarriage is common, you know, in, in the, you know, first few months. And, um, I just wasn't prepared. If that happened, I just don't know how I would react. Like I was scared and, and um, I just wanted everything to be okay. So once I gave birth <laughs> and I had my baby in my arms, I was so happy. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> don't I was you make so me cry. happy <laughs> because the whole pregnancy was just like nuts you know, it was nuts. And I was just so happy for it to be over and for my baby to be with me. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how crazy the pregnancy was. No, thank you for sharing. Cause no, like, I feel, I feel like this is the, the first story I've ever heard from someone who has me- like mental health issues going through the pregnancy. You never, ever hear it. And it's important to tell these stories because, you know, you, you can do it and there's so much stigma around it. And like you said, just even just to the kind of pr- like your, the judgment you felt just being in the hospital, like this, all this stuff happens. And especially when they, when they hear bipolar is one of the top kind of triggers for this stuff where they kind of, okay, like she's bipolar. Okay. Like mm-hmm. noted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, okay. So the, the pregnancy, like, I was even listening to all your, like what happened in LA. Um, just, yeah, I think under our, you know, quote, like normal circumstances, a pregnancy would be tough, but throw in everything else, especially being in an LA. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just, yeah, all, it's nuts. Just like you said, <laughs> absolutely well, nuts. Yeah. And like part of being bipolar is like when you're manic, like you kind of feel like all eyes are on you, you know, in a way. And that's how it feels when you have like helicopters hovering and like news. The annoying thing was that most of the helicopters were not police helicopters. It seemed they were like news helicopters. 
And so it's like, what are you doing, you know, uh, channel five at two o'clock in the morning, like hovering over my house, like get away. Like you're so annoying. Um, but you know, it's like, it was so nuts. Like it was so out of control and, and, um, you know, with bipolar disorder, like you already have sort of like this complex of thinking that like things happen to you for a reason, like you're a chosen one, like you, you know, like, so I was thinking like, oh, I'm pregnant right now with all this chaos around me for a reason, like, which is true. Like there's probably some reason for it, but you know, that, that intense, like, you know, knowing, you know, that feeling that like that intuitive sense that like you're here in this exact moment, like for a very, very divine reason, um, it can get to your head, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And like, you know, it's a constant um, exercise in checking yourself. Um, and and I, I think, I think there are some problems with bipolar disorder uh, symptoms as they are listed. Like, I think, I think we have a lot of misconceptions about bipolar disorder because of um, literally what's written in the DSM. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, beliefs. The last um, Tierra who you had on, yeah. Um, she spoke about something that I thought was interesting. She said there were a lot of things that she did because of her bipolar disorder, because it gave her confidence and, you know, things that maybe she wouldn't have done before. And oftentimes, like what I've heard from people sometimes um, is that like, you know, we're not discouraged, we're, we're discouraged to have like, um, inflated beliefs. Like if I walked into my therapist's, you know, office and said like, look, I'm going to be a billionaire, <laughs> you know, like, or whatever, it would be like, no, you're not like you're <laughs> mentally ill. Um, <laughs> you know, and like other people think that way and actually, well, maybe not, maybe they don't become billionaires, but you no, know, I, get what, this, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. This messaging that we receive, you know, from from the media, especially social media, like these get rich quick schemes, um, they're toxic because you know they they basically manipulate people. And anyway, what I'm getting at is yes, we should be optimistic, we should be ambitious, we should want our basic needs met. And, you know, oftentimes we're thought that even, even seeking our basic needs is unrealistic. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why with this episode when I was pregnant, I didn't think one of the reasons why it wasn't as bad as it could have been was because I had, you know, I had all my bases covered as far as having a supportive person, my husband, being in a safe place, a safe environment where I didn't feel threatened. I didn't feel the need to like run away, which is what I've done in the past with past episodes. Um, and I think we ignore that like people with bipolar disorder oftentimes are running away from very toxic situations. And 
the living situations especially. Um, and those conditions aren't really acknowledged. You know, we, we don't, we, we, I don't know. I just, I feel like those physical, those physical symptoms are just as important as like the mental ones. You know what I mean? Like when you had, you know, I guess I would ask someone if they did, uh, if they were concerned about their, like if I were to talk to someone with bipolar disorder who's having an episode or has had an episode, like what were the actual physical conditions that led to it? Yeah. And chances are there are probably some things that happen, whether it was, whether it was a, a, a lost connection with someone, like maybe you had a breakup or you didn't have the support you needed from another person, or maybe your literal living condition wasn't adequate enough and your needs weren't, your basic needs weren't being met, you know? Um, so yeah, I think part of the reason why I didn't have as severe an, of an episode when I was pregnant was because of those reasons. And also I had my baby and I didn't want to hurt my baby. And like that kind of like um, baby is kind of like a symbol of like, you know, your, your legacy, your livelihood, like the reason why you want to stay alive and you, the reason why you don't want to hurt yourself. Like we all deserve that reason. Um, but so many people with bipolar disorder, when they have an episode, they don't have that reason because that reason's either been taken away from them or they're in a situation where they've lost that somehow. Um, and we call it a trigger, but really it's actually like, it's actually, I would say it has more of a causal relationship than an actual like correlation type relationship. Tell me about um, how you're, mental health was like after you gave birth because I have some bipolar friends who um, tell tell me that it's it either goes one of two ways one you have a great pregnancy but then postpartum depression hits hard and it's hard to get out of it or you you like well I don't know there's so many <laughs> what do you think well um I think I experienced like the symptoms of, of weaning because I ended up not breastfeeding and I tried to breastfeed at first. Um, but I was discouraged to breastfeed. So by doctors, of course. And, and so I just, I could have gone against their advice, but I didn't want to, I just didn't want to deal with that. And I, I thought, you know, this is another problem we run into with bipolar disorder is there's not enough research on our medication and pregnancy and breastfeeding. So, you know, it's hard to, to make a decision when the information, it just isn't there. So I, I, even though before, um, I gave birth, doctors told me it was okay to breastfeed afterwards. They were like, no, probably not. You should just, you know, you can formula feed and then you don't have to worry about the risk at all. And so I just kind of, I was frustrated because I was told um, by an actual specialist that I could breastfeed. And um, again, I don't know if he told me that just so I would be like, cool, and continue taking my medications through pregnancy and just not go off my medications. Um, but um, 
my my postpartum experience honestly wasn't wasn't that bad at all or it hasn't been so far it's been a little over three months so I think um yeah I've been good I I haven't really experienced any depression but like I said when I was like going through the weaning phase when I eventually stopped um pumping and breastfeeding I felt horrible um in like little waves it wasn't like I was still happy, um, but I felt a little, um, I felt these like waves of sadness um, that would just like wash over me and I'd feel really, really, um, just really sad. Um, and and I think I, I looked it up and I looked up all the symptoms of like weaning and what the mother experiences when the weaning happens um, and all of my symptoms like checked out. So I was like, I think that's what it was. Talk to my OBGYN. She's like, I don't know. Um, and because it was only a few days, I didn't, I didn't really worry about it too much, but since then I've, I've been, I've been fine. Did you feel like, did, hmm. How did you feel as a new mom um, with bipolar, just with either friends or family or doctors with visits? Like, did you did you feel that? Because one thing I'm I'm just hearing in your stories is it's the same way I am is is that kind of trusting the doctors, but also a reluctance to trust. Like, and mm-hmm. I'm the same way. Um, you know, even like last week, I. I just had a really bad ear infection and I had to go to, I, had, I needed someone to look at it, but no one would take me because of COVID. So I had to go to emergency mm. and I just am so scared as a bipolar person going to emergency mm. because of just the awful stories and the things that have happened to, to bipolar people and how they're treated. And, mm. um, and also I just, even when, you know, the doctor looked at my ear, he kind of said, I don't see anything gave me a script, sent me on my way. But there was, there was just that voice in my head that was like, did he even take me seriously? Or was he just, he saw on the page that I'm bipolar and I'm probably just making this up because that's what happens. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, I was very like grateful. I was able, like my doctor was also able to see me and everything was figured out, but that's just something I'm like, that's resonating with me with what your, with your stories. Like when you went there, when you saw the spotting and then in follow-up appointments and then even with like your breast milk and how your medications are we're always in that position where we're like like I'm as skeptical about you doctor as you are about me right now (laughs) yeah and you know to make it even worse it's like if we go off and do our own research if we read peer-reviewed like legit studies and and you know I mean if we do our own research on Google and say, Hey, but I read this. It's like, we're still not trusted. Like even that, I mean, doctors, I'm sure get annoyed by that, whether someone's bipolar or not, but it's like, even more so for us, it's like, we're, we're seen as like, we can have these like obsessive tendencies to, yeah, to make stuff up, which isn't, it's so messed up. (laughs) It's so messed up. I mean, really, um, but I will say one of the things that that I really appreciated from my experience when I was manic and I was experiencing akathisia, which again mm-hmm. is like a horrible thing, um, 
I explained it to my doctor and um, I had had it years and years ago. In fact, I had it in the hospital when I was about 19. Is that like restless leg syndrome, but just all over your body? But worse. Yeah. But worse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, And I had it when I was 19, when I was actually in the hospital. And I remember just being completely, um, I remember the nurses asking me, are you anxious? Are you anxious? Like, why are you walking around? Like they, they didn't know, (laughs) like I was explaining to them what was happening. I was like, it hurts. Like it hurts. And of course I was scared too, because I was not taking these medications by choice. Like they were given to me and I already had my paranoias and I was thinking like, they're literally trying to hurt me. Um, and I had so much pain and I couldn't sleep and they kept telling me to go back to bed, go back to bed. Like you're being anxious. Um, and, uh, they tried to give me like Ativan or something and that made it worse. Um, anyway, they ended up giving me something to combat it in the hospital, but it took them like four hours because they had to wake up the doctor because it was late at night and they couldn't prescribe it. So they had to wait for his approval before they could do it or something like that. I don't know. It was a whole thing. Anyway, they didn't take me seriously until I literally was screaming saying this hurts so bad, like do something about it. Um, And it's a physical symptom. That's the thing about it. Like it's a physical symptom Mm -hmm. and it's being treated as a psychological symptom. Like I'm being treated as if I'm literally making it up or I'm literally making the choice to pace around when really pacing around is just what makes it hurt less. And I'm doing that because I don't want to be in pain. Um, Anyway, so when I told my psychiatrist about this, fast forward to now, or when I was pregnant, he said immediately, he was like, yeah, that's akathisia. He's like, we'll do something about that. And he, he, we, we problem solved through it. Um, But just him saying Yes. Validation. That's what it is. I was like, oh, it, it makes a huge difference, but it's sad that like, you know, we don't get that too often. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I can think of probably a hundred different examples of <laughs> similar situations that I've been through. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that we go through and and it's not, it's not acknowledging someone else's pain is like pure evil. Like it feels horrible when someone doesn't um, acknowledge it, you know, um, take it seriously. Like, you know, have some, some kind of empathy. Um, so yeah. The things we go through. <laughs> <laughs> the day in the life. Yeah. Um, do you have any like ed- tips or advice for anyone listening who struggles with mental health disorders, who's thinking about starting a family? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I would say it's really important to, to build up your support system and have all of your basic needs met. So, um, you know, make sure that you feel safe in your living environment, make sure that you have supportive people around you that know what your condition is and how to 
approach it, someone you feel comfortable talking about anything with. Um, make sure you have a psychiatrist and a therapist who you trust, who you've been working with for some time. Um, and, um, and, you know, it requires a lot of patience and like a lot of, a lot of faith in, in yourself and also in like the unknown, you know, you have to be comfortable with um, controlling what you can control. Um, but also, you know, you know, yeah, letting go of the things that you, that are maybe out of your control and not beating yourself up about that. Um, I, I think meditation helps, prayer helps. Um, I know that that's something that my husband and I, every night we pray. Um, and also med I also meditate. So I listen to like relaxing sounds and I, um, use like an app to meditate sometimes. So that helps me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really important to get your physical surroundings in alignment with healing. Um, and, and know that even if you do have an episode or symptoms, like that's okay. You know, like there's no, you can do everything right. Absolutely everything right. You can have the best healthcare in the whole world and still have an episode. That's just the way bipolar disorder works. We don't have a cure yet. So I think it's really empowering to realize that because then if you make a mistake, it's okay. <laughs> you know, like it's okay. Um, you, you know, we were in a tough position um, and we're, we're essentially in this position where we have to kind of, we have to fight for ourselves. We have to advocate for ourselves. Self-advocacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. promoter of self-advocacy and and that is that is like a very important and true message because I'm I'm kind of I go through those just mindsets where I get so I'm in it right now where I get so down when I struggle and for me it's just this inner conflict like I I love it when I feel good and I don't take it for granted but I hate that it's so fleeting and then also how there's two parts of me that just don't, um, they're not working together. Like I am so uh, like eager and interested in life and ambitious and I work hard, but then sometimes I'm none of those things. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the other thing about bipolar disorder is like, I hate even saying this, but we're considered to be like the higher functioning or whatever that means. Mm -hmm. And like, so we have this expectation to like assimilate into society and, and if we can hold down a job at stability, if we can, you know, um, even if it's like a minimum wage job, like if we, if we can at least do that stability, you know, um, if we, if we don't have inflated thinking and we, we, we check ourselves and we don't aim too high stability, you know, like, 
it's like we have all these um, literally written into our diagnosis, these characteristics that are somewhat helpful to us sometimes, like that drive to work, that drive to produce, like those are good things. And yet we have to make sure that those good things don't spiral into bad things. You know, like that's a very weird, like, I would love to know what it's like to be an average person who doesn't have to worry about that, <laughs> you know, who can just like go off and like, you know, be super ambitious and not have to worry about like, like, you know, literally losing contact with reality. Um, so yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird sort of like, I always joke that like bipolar disorder is kind of like the perfect disorder for capitalism <laughs> because it's like excessive spending and accumulation of debt <laughs> great for the economy right great for the economy we can you know get a college degree and rack up debt that way and still be lower on the socioeconomic status like level great for the economy like you know we can be super productive sometimes great for the economy like <laughs> there's so many things that you know are part of our disorder that are like almost like oppressive in nature, you know, that we kind of like, you know, are grappling with. Um, but I personally believe that it's, you know, a sign of the times, like the world we're living in, where there are these extremes and we feel those extremes. Um, and sometimes that doesn't make sense to other people. Claire, thank you so much for joining me today I like you hit on so much that I would love to have you back for another episode to dive into Aww. some other things yeah uh, absolutely it's yeah I'm really really interested in your in your thoughts thank you uh wow thank you so much for sharing your story um so like proud of you and I'm happy that you're in this space with your new baby and like killing it and uh thank you for sharing thank um, you I will be sure to link I don't know I saw your I took a peek at your Instagram I saw that you're putting up an awesome like posts in your feed about um just bipolar and just just education and awareness so I'll be sure to link all of the information in the bio and ways that you can thank reach you. out and thank you so much Thank you. Oh my gosh, this is great. Thank you so much. <laughs> we'll talk very soon, okay? Okay. Bye.